Hello out there, all you vixens and bucks, vintage vixens and old bucks. Yeah. This is old buck Dave. And this is old buck Dell. And we are sitting here again at the coffee pot, thinking about the world. <laughs> Contemplating. Contemplating. All kind of, yeah, yeah, all kind of things. Anyhow, we have a we have a little bit more of a, a, a little, oh, my soul, a little more specific uh, uh, something we wanted to, wanted to try today. Uh, you were telling me about a uh, a yeah, short story that, that yeah, this is. An, I'd like to read another short story, and I know our audience is uh, is split. They're at the polls on on the short stories. I've had some readers, uh, writer, yeah, some listeners, say, "Hey, do more <laughs> short stories." <laughs> and I just had an, the other day had a uh, you know, a loyal listener say, "You know, if you start a stor- short story, I just turn that thing off." <laughs> so. <laughs> You well, know, it, we're a mixed bag. Hey, you what can't the please, you know, we're, yeah. hey, we're, we're doing it for us. That's Yeah, we're, yeah, we're this is for us. The listeners have to know that if not a soul in the world could hear us talking, this is exactly the conversations that we have every time we had coffee for years. And now we're just sharing this thoughts. So you found a nice story and uh, I'm going to say, go ahead and let's read it. All right. I found a nice it. story and right. yeah, we can talk a little bit about it uh, afterwards. I think it's, okay. again, it's. It's a short story, but it's not too long. It's not too short. And, and, and uh, you are going to sit in a big comfy chair and kind of a maroon background. Big comfy chair. It's like yep. Alistair Cook. There it is. The uh, this is a this is a, a story by Tobias Wolf. The, the name of the story is Bullet in the Brain. All right, and this first appeared in the New Yorker in 1995. This, this story has some graphic content, if you just look at the title. And there's also some very coarse language, so consider yourself forewarned here. So here it is, bullet in the brain. Anders couldn't get to the bank until just before it closed. So, of course, the line was endless, and he got stuck behind two women whose loud, stupid conversation put him in a murderous temper. He was never in the best of tempers anyway, Anders. A book critic known for the weary, elegant savagery with which he dispatched almost everything he reviewed. With the line still doubled around the rope, one of the tellers stuck a positioned closed sign in her window and walked to the back of the bank where she leaned against the desk and began to pass the time with a man shuffling papers. The women in front of Anders broke off their conversation and watched the teller with hatred. Oh, that's nice, one of them said. She turned to Anders and added, confident of his accord, one of those little human touches that keeps us coming back for more. Anders had conceived his own towering hatred of the teller, but he, but he immediately turned it on the presumptuous crybaby in front of him. Damned unfair, he said. Tragic, really. If they're not chopping off the wrong leg or bombing your ancestral village, they're closing their positions. She stood her ground. I didn't say it was tragic, she said. I just think it's a pretty lousy way to treat your customers. Unforgivable, Anders said. Heaven will take note. She sucked in her cheeks, but stared past him and said nothing. Anders saw that the other woman, her friend, was looking in the same direction. And then the tellers stopped what they were doing, and the customer slowly turned, and silence came over the bank. Two men, wearing black ski masks and blue business suits, 
were standing to the side of the door. One of them had a pistol pressed against the guard's neck. The guard's eyes were closed and his lips were moving. The other man had a sawed-off shotgun. Keep your big mouth shut, the man with the pistol said, though no one had spoken a word. One of you tellers hits the alarm. You're all dead meat. Got it? The tellers nodded. Oh, bravo, Anders said. Dead meat. He turned to the woman in front of him. Great script, eh? The stern, brass-knuckled poetry of the dangerous classes. She looked at him with drowning eyes. The man with the shotgun pushed the guard to his knees. He handed up the shotgun to his partner and yanked the guard's wrists up behind his back and locked them together with a pair of handcuffs. He toppled him onto the floor with a kick between the shoulder blades. Then he took his shotgun back and went over to the security gate at the end of the counter. He was a short and heavy and moved with a peculiar slowness, even torpor. Buzz him in, his partner said. The man with the shotgun opened the gate and sauntered along the line of tellers, handing each of them a hefty bag. When he came to the empty position, he looked over at the man with the pistol, who said, Whose slot is that? Anders watched the teller. She put her hand to her throat and turned to the man she'd been talking to. He nodded. Mine, she said. Then get your ugly ass in gear and fill that bag. There you go, Anders said to the woman in front of him. Justice is done. Hey, bright boy, did I tell you to talk? No, Anders said. Then shut your trap. Did you hear that, Anders said? Bright boy, right out of the killers. Please be quiet, the woman said. Hey, you deaf or what, the man with the pistol walked over to Anders. He poked the weapon into Anders' gut. You think I'm playing games? No, Anders said, but the barrel tickled like a stiff finger and he had to fight back the titters. He did this by making himself stare into the man's eyes, which were clearly visible behind the holes in the mask, pale blue and rawly red-rimmed. The man's left eyelid kept twitching. He breathed out a piercing ammoniac smell that shocked Anders more than anything else had happened. And he was beginning to develop a sense of unease when the man prodded him again with the pistol. You like me, bright boy, he said. You want to suck my dick? No, said Anders. Then stop looking at me. Anders fixed his gaze on the man's shiny wingtop shoes. Not down there, up there. He stuck the pistol under Anders' chin and pushed it upward until Anders was looking at the ceiling. Anders had never paid much attention to that part of the bank, a pompous old building with marble floors and counters and pillars and gilt scroll work over the teller's cages. The dome ceiling had been decorated with mythological figures whose fleshy toga-draped ugliness Anders had taken in at a glance many years earlier and afterward declined to notice. Now he had no choice but to scrutinize the painter's work. It was even worse than he remembered, with all of it executed with the utmost gravity. The artist had a few tricks up his sleeve and used them again and again. A certain rosy blush on the underside of the clouds, a coy backward glance on the faces of the cupids and fawns. The ceiling was crowded with various dramas, but the one that caught Andrew's eye was Zeus and Europa, portrayed in this rendition as a bull ogling a cow from behind a haystack.
To make the cow sexy, the painter had canted her lips, her hip suggestively and given her long, droopy eyelashes through which she gazed back at the bull with sultry welcome. The bull wore a smirk and his eyebrows were arched. If there had been a bubble coming out of his mouth, it would have said, Hubba Hubba. What's so funny, bright boy? Nothing. You think I'm comical? You think I'm some kind of clown? No. You think you can fuck with me? No. Fuck with me again, your history. Capiche? Anders burst out laughing. He covered his mouth with both hands and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then snorted helplessly through his fingers and said, Capiche? Oh, God, capiche? And at that, the man with the pistol raised the pistol and shot Anders right in the head. The bullet smashed through Anders' skull and plowed through his brain and exited behind his right ear, scattering shards of bone into the cerebral cortex, the corpus callosum, back toward the basal ganglia and down into the thalamus. But before all this occurred, the first appearance of the bullet in the cerebrum set off a crackling chain of ion transports and neurotransmissions. Because of their peculiar origin, these traced a peculiar patter, flukishly calling to life a summer afternoon some 40 years past and long since lost to memory. After striking the cranium, the bullet was moving at 900 feet per second, a pathetically sluggish glacial pace compared to the synaptic lighting that flashed around it. Once in the brain, that is, the bullet came under the mediation of brain time, which gave Anders plenty of leisure to contemplate the scene that, in a phrase he would have abhorred, passed before his eyes. It is worth noting what Anders did not remember, given what he did remember. He did not remember his first lover, Sherry, or what he had most madly loved about her before it came to irritate him. Her unembarrassed carnality, and especially the cordial way she had with his unit, which she called Mr. Mole, as in, uh-oh, looks like Mr. Mole wants to play, and let's hide Mr. Mole. Andrew did not remember his wife, whom he had also loved before she exhausted him with her predictability, or his daughter, now a sullen professor of economics at Dartmouth. He did not remember standing just outside his daughter's door, as she lectured her bear about his naughtiness and described the truly appalling punishments pause would punishments pause would receive unless he changed his ways he did not remember a single line of the hundreds of poems he had committed to memory in his youth so that he could give himself the shivers at will not silent upon a peak of darien or my god i heard this day or all my pretty ones did you say all Oh, Hellkite, all. None of these did he remember, not one. Anders did not remember his dying mother saying of his father, I should have stabbed him in his sleep. He did not remember Professor Josephs telling his class how Athenian prisoners in Sicily had been released if they could recite Aeschylus, and then reciting Aeschylus himself right there in Greek. Anders did not remember how his eyes had burned at those sounds. He did not remember the surprise of seeing a college classmate's name on the jacket of a novel not long after they graduated, or the respect he had felt after reading the book. He did not remember the pleasure of giving respect. Nor did Anders remember seeing a woman leap to her death 
from a building opposite his own just days after his daughter was born. He did not remember shouting, Lord, have mercy. He did not remember deliberately crashing his father's car into a tree, of having his ribs kicked in by three policemen at an anti-war rally, or waking himself up with laughter. He did not remember when he began to regard the heap of books on his desk with boredom and dread, or when he grew angry at writers for writing them. He did not remember when everything else began to remind him of something else. This is what he remembered. Heat, a baseball field, yellow grass, the whir of insects, himself leaning against a tree as the boys of the neighborhood gather for a pickup game. He looks on as the others argue the relative genius of maize and mantle. They have been worrying this subject all summer, and it has become tedious to Anders, an oppression like the heat. Then the last two boys arrive, Coyle and a cousin of his from Mississippi. Anders has never met Coyle's cousin before and will never see him again. He says hi with the rest, but takes no further notice of him until they've chosen sides and someone asks the cousin what position he wants to play. Shortstop, the boy says. Short's the best position they is. Anders turns and looks at him. He wants to hear Coyle's cousin repeat what he's just said, but he knows better than to ask. The others will think he's being a jerk, ragging the kid for his grammar. But that isn't it. Not at all. It's that Anders is strangely roused, elated by these final two words, their pure unexpectedness in their music. He takes the field in a trance, repeating them to himself. The bullet is already in the brain. It won't be outrun forever or charmed to a halt. In the end, it will do its work and leave a troubled skull behind, dragging its comet tail of memory and hope and talent and love into the marble hall of commerce. That can't be helped. But for now, Anders can still make time. Time for the shadows to lengthen on the grass. Time for the tethered dog to bark at the flying ball. Time for the boy in right field to smack his sweat-blackened mitt and softly chant, They is, they is, they is. Hmm. That's the end. The end. That's the end. What a a ride. What What a a ride. ride. Yeah, interesting. That's, that's an incredible, incredible story. The the description that that guy uses and how he messes with time and shows you. Well, it's it's quite a setup for yeah. a memory. I mean, someone is losing. I mean, if he was imagining someone losing his life, you know, what I mean that that could have played out about a million times in history. Yeah. yeah, interesting that the stuff that flashed through his mind was stuff from the younger, from his younger days. You know, his younger, simpler days. And we're talking, we're talking in nanoseconds. Yep. This man has written other stories. I mean, you say he got. Oh yeah, he's a prolific writer. Yeah. So this was one of the New York contributions, which I think is always a a feather in anybody's writing careers if they can get a uh, get a story. He he, he did one story. I think it was This Boy's Life, which was I think made it was made a movie. Made a movie out of it. He won some awards. But he's 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 a great writer. And this was just, I think, a spectacular short story. Well, well not for the, not for the. Uh, I always get the impression that you admire the writing styles, uh, especially in short, uh, you know, t- to be uh, descriptive in short stories. It's one thing to do 
thousands and thousands of words or something, but it, to to make a to make a moving uh, experience in less than fifteen hundred words or two thousand words, that takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I think this was like nineteen hundred words. Yeah, it takes like some takes some talent. Words. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a novel, you got a lot of time for slop and dead the paragraphs good. and dead pages. Even yeah, yeah, you do they, a good short story, every word's got to count. You know, yeah. every so, line has to count. So you would, you as a connoisseur of writing, and uh, I don't know if writing. I'm a connoisseur. I'm just a well, fan. you are. You you I'm write. A fan. You're a fan, and you write, and you read uh, a lot of stuff. And uh, I don't know where you. I think you have a clock with uh, 28 hours in a day. Frankly, I don't. <laughs> I talk about naps and you never mentioned naps at all. <laughs> so anyhow, Dave, I, I, it was anyway. a great story. I know uh, um, whatever listeners that hung in there with you, uh, you never know. It will throw in a, throw in a little something, something like that. Yeah. So I hope, yeah, I hope some folks enjoyed it. As I said uh, at the beginning, it was uh, course language and it's, you know, the title's bullet in the brain. So, you, you know, it's not going to have a happy ending. Things are not going to go well. Well, bucks, bucks too old at Gmail is a uh, an easy way to communicate your thoughts on those Tell us stories what you think yeah about anything uh it is a uh, uh email account that's designed specifically for buck listeners uh, who uh, have a thought on thing and any so thank you very much <laughs> all right for choosing that story thanks for uh, thanks for putting up with it and listening to me it was uh, it was fun to read it was hey, fun to read and i should reiterate this is about 65 years of friendship you don't even have to, you don't even have to ask. <laughs> this is about friendship, folks. Two old bucks. Two old bucks. It's also, it's also about the two old bucks. The, yeah. the coffee's cold. I didn't get to drink my coffee this episode even, but I'll make up for that. So this is old buck Dave saying. Yeah, this is old buck Dale saying uh, goodbye. Good night. So goodbye. long. Goodbye. See y'all next time. Hear y'all next time. Yeah. You'll hear us anyway. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye.